The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Okay, John Cannell is joined today by Dave Hanratty for our weekly music spot. And let's have the picks of the week first. And John, you've gone with the Black Crows from 1992. Yeah, I know you like the Black Crows. I loved the album before this album. Shake Your Moneymaker. Yeah, that's their best album. No, it's not. This Do you is, think so? No. And the Southern Harmony Musical Companion is yeah, the best. absolutely their best I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to it. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think they sort of found their feet with Shake Your Moneymaker, but this is where they sort of put their own stamp. Now, it's it's Southern rock. You know, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's really well done. It's sort of authentic. It's, you know, it's swamp rock. Um, but it, it's... It's where they sort of found their feet and they were never as good again. They were never as consistently good again as they were in this album. I remember I actually got it when it came out. Did you ever buy an album for the cover? I bought this album because it reminded <laughs> me of the band by the band, the cover of this album. Um, and I'd known, uh, you know, Hard to Handle, obviously, from the previous couple of years. But I put it on and I just loved it immediately, uh, partly because of the lead single, which I had seen on the on MTV when they used to play videos, uh, which was Remedy. And we're going to play a, a, a clip from Remedy, but it's been reissued as a three-CD super deluxe with some live tracks, some extra studio tracks. You know the sort of stuff I love, you know, behind the curtain. I'm going to have to give it another go. Let's hear yeah. Remedy. Yeah, Dave, are you familiar with the Black Crows? I mean, as a young fella, they'd have been, you'd have been a child when they were out and about. Uh, not quite a child, but I believe my brother was into them. And I think I, I, I kind of went down the, the Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins route. The full-on swamp rock didn't quite embrace me at the time. What do you think of that, though? It's okay, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, a languid, loungy, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. I feel like I've been put on the spot here and like, just set up to sabotage John's <laughs> very erudite pick, you know? Okay, what's your pick, though? Uh, very erudite, indeed. It's a band called Health. Uh, the word health in block capitals is how they stylize it. They're from Los Angeles. If anyone hasn't heard this band before, I'd recommend them to fans of Nine Inch Nails, Depeche Mode, uh, New Order, that kind of thing. So they're kind of a band that are steeped in industrial noise rock with a bit of pop influence as well, very cinematic, they retake their cues from sci-fi movies. They're very kind of pop culture savvy. But most importantly, they just make bangers. And I'm a huge fan. They put out their new album, Rat Wars, spectacularly titled Rat Wars, the other day. And this song was called Unloved, and I do hope that you love it.
would have thought that was Depeche Mode if you hadn't told me it was health. Yeah, it's health. Um, yeah, they kind of have that kind of 80s influence creeping in lately. They're a very prolific and busy band and they make beautiful, beautiful kind of heavily produced pop industrial. It's my kind of thing and if you want to check it out, they have about five albums for you to enjoy. I suspect, John, you looked as if you might enjoy that. Yeah, I like that. I was saying to Dave, it sounds a bit uh, like Songs of Faith and Devotion or Depeche Mode, but it's also yeah. got that sort of classic gothy sound, isn't it? I, I hate to use the word gothy because anything that's anyway angular or minor chords gets uh, lumped into goth, but it does have that sort of... Alternative, I think, is the, yeah, uh, the yeah. other, uh, uh, I guess, overused word. But yeah. It does apply, though. It's it does a bit apply. Sisters of Mercy, I yeah. think. Very yeah. much so. Okay, now this listener has sent in a list for the Mad Cool Festival in Madrid in July next year. And the lineups, Jesus, some spectacular bands which might be this listener suggested would end up coming to EP or other things mm. because you have the Smashing Pumpkins, as you mentioned, Dua Janelle Monet, Garbage on one, th- one stage. You've got Pearl Jam, Greta Von Fleet, Keen on another day. Uh, you've got Jesse Ware, the Black Pumas. You've got loads and loads of... So these are obviously the artists who are going to be travelling around Europe next summer. We hope so, yeah. Mad Cool has actually been killing it for years now. It's kind of one of those ones that's crept up and tends to have a really good diverse lineup. Everyone talks about Primavera as the European festival to go to and it still is absolutely commanding and apparently brilliant. But Mad Cool is definitely one to look at and I I do find myself often coveting that lineup and being mm. like, can some of these acts please come here and play individual shows? But yeah, festival season is kind of approaching, even though we're in December. I guess that's the that's the vibe now. But I suppose it? people buy the tickets as presents for Christmas, don't yeah. they? The thing about the European festivals is it's, it makes sense financially for a band to go across all of Central Europe. But coming here is a different story because you're getting, you know, the trucking and the... And a lot of listeners are saying it makes sense for them to go to foreign festivals rather than actually paying for the boat of the ones in Ireland. It's pretty expensive for a band to... They have to do the numbers before they think about coming here, certainly for a festival. Yeah, and of course, if you do travel from Ireland, you probably get better weather as well. Yeah, and even like, you know, going to a festival with a concrete grounding for the weekend as well, mm-hmm. or like a city-based one that kind of shuts down at night and then you go out after that. So like, there are very attractive options and Irish festivals, I guess, I don't know, like, are they responding well enough is the question. The tickets are still selling, but I don't know if the lineups are as inspiring as they could be. Yeah, listener says, I was mad cool four times. It's great. The tickets are out this week. But we're starting to hear about one of the big festivals for next year. It's going to be the All Together Now in Waterford on the August bank holiday weekend, isn't it, John? Yeah, they they've sort of established themselves pretty well over the last few years. It's only it's it's still in its infancy, but uh, everybody knows about it all together now. And they've announced uh, the likes of Future Islands, the National, Georgia Smith, Bakar, and. Uh, the brilliantly named Barry Can't Swim. So this is going for a slightly older audience, isn't it? Uh, is that the sort well, of the old EP audience, perhaps? Well, no, I, w- I wouldn't base that supposition on the five artists they've announced. Um, I would wait to see who else they're announcing. But, I mean, if you think about it, they had Iggy Pop last year, didn't they? So, yes, they're probably going for, you know, you think, last Dave? year. I think it's a bit of a disappointing bill so far because, like, this festival will sell and it has a great reputation and a growing reputation, but there are kind of pretenders to the throne emerging already. You think of Beyond the Pale, which is already kind of flying. But the National, I mean... This gig, if I have this correct, will be their 39th visit to Ireland since 2002. <laughs> Future <laughs> Islands, uh, 17th since 2009. Like, it's like, it's, don't get me wrong, two bands I love, but, like, look at the window and they're probably going to walk past. I mean, I, I don't know if this is inspiring enough to be like, oh, I'll definitely go. I think people will go for the experience and the festival itself and they'll enjoy what they get, but I, I was a little underwhelmed by the first mm-hmm. night names. Okay. Uh, the Eras Tour, the first... Oh, if you want to fall asleep, you can go and see the National. Oh, that'll do the trick, all right. <laughs> uh, the Eras Tour is the first to gross more than $1 billion, John. 
Yeah, I know Taylor. Like, there's no stopping her. She's uh, on the cover of Time magazine now. They're person of the year. Uh, the Ears tour is only about halfway through. Uh, she's made a billion plus dollars on the Ears tour, and it's running into next year as well with dates here in Ireland. Of course, you can only imagine she's going to make another billion. But she's just absolutely. She can't put a foot wrong. Taylor Swift cannot put a foot wrong right now. Yeah, she bet on herself hugely, not just with this tour, but with the concert film that went out as well, because that was there was talk that it would go to a major studio. They couldn't agree terms, and she essentially self-financed it with some independent companies, and it stands to make it's the highest-grossing concert film ever. Rave reviews for that as well. I think we're only about halfway through the actual tour. And it is interesting to see her named as Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Definitely Phenomenon of the Year from a music and a business perspective. Like, Swiftonomics is a genuine thing. And it should be said as well, she is sharing that wealth. I think she gave, like, at least $50 million worth to her back to her crew for Christmas presents and that kind of thing, or people who worked hard on the tour. But it is a case of, we are past the oversaturation point. The question is, can she sustain it? But don't bet against her. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of Taylor Swift music from the album Midnight's. This is Bejeweled. Baby boy, I think I've been too good of a girl Too good of a girl Did all the extra credit then got graded on a curve I think it's time to teach some lessons I made you my world, have you heard? I can reclaim the land Then I miss you But I miss Spider-Land I believe I'm still bejeweled When I walk in the room I can still make the whole of this nation learn Taylor Swift there. Paul and Ross Common, who always loves texting in about John Cadell, mm. says, I'm going to see Squeeze in St. Anne's Brilliant. Park in Rohini in June. John Cadell probably hates them, which means they're good. Squeeze. Squeeze are brilliant. I adore Squeeze. And I'm with you that. Just, you know, I might actually go to you at a gig because no, I I'm saw Squeeze <laughs> in Chicago in 1992. Yeah. One of my favourite ever gigs in Grant Park. They were absolutely brilliant. I've seen Squeeze practically every time they've come to Dublin since 1995. So what's a Paul and Russ Common? Yeah. I'd be more than happy to have a chat with Paul about Squeeze if he loves them. Because I don't know anybody who loves Squeeze. And I would love to talk about Squeeze and even their B-sides. It's particularly from 1992 to 1995, but we won't get into it's that. It's a very specific conversation. Yeah, I adore Squeeze. I think I the like I hold I hold Crowder House in contempt because they're like a Squeeze cover band, um, and I know they're very popular. But like whatever Crowder House have done, Squeeze did so much better ten years before. But anyway, we won't go talk about Squeeze. Songs like Tempted and Labeled with Love. Yeah, that's it, yeah, absolutely temp- yeah, brilliant. Up the Junction. I mean, even the later stuff like Some Fantastic Place, Third Rail. They're just like they. It's not for no reason that Difford and Tilbrook were called by Rolling Stone the new Lennon and McCartney. Now I know everybody were everybody was. But this is on the front of Rolling Stone, but a, a much uh, underrated band. And Glenn Tilbrook is the second most underrated lead guitarist after Lindsay Buckingham. Just picturing all the Taylor Swift fans who were waiting for to further gush over her prowess listening to that conversation yeah, being like yeah. wow what a lead in yeah okay well tell us about Kanye West's new album because I believe you have been a fan yeah but are you going to listen to the new album or uh, just say I'll stick to the older stuff before he went I'll, conspiracy bonkers yeah we've talked about this before I mean like I, I fear that the Kanye I once loved is never coming back and that's both from a personal and an artistic point of view because he's teamed up with Ty Dolla Sign there's a new album apparently dropping on Friday but there was supposed to be this multi-stadium event back in early November that didn't come to pass um, I don't know about this team up they put out a song called Vultures about a month ago it didn't do much for me and there's a leak there in the last 12 hours or so of 
you know, they're interpolating a Backstreet Boys track, Everybody, Backstreet's Back, which is an incredible pop song, by the way. And I will say, it takes some serious talent to take that, sample it, and make it terrible, which is unfortunately what they've done, mm. based on what I've heard. Um, I will listen, to answer your question, Matt, I will listen to any new Kanye West album that comes along out of morbid curiosity. But I do think, unfortunately, the Kanye, like I said, that I once adored and really admired is long gone. Okay, one of my favourite guests in this studio over the years was Nile Rogers mm. from Chic, who was great fun and brought a guitar in and played stuff. And but he's uh, he's very interesting. Fifty years in the business now, and he's talking about the changes. He's not a fan of streaming, it seems. Uh, no, he's not against streaming. He's he what he does have an issue with is the business behind the stream. Ah, right. In that, what the artists are getting paid. He's talking about it in terms of you know sports stars when their agents work for them. Uh, they get 40 to 70% of the gross income. He says that when he got an advance for his first album, he paid it back but still didn't own his songs. So that's what he's saying. He says music used to be run by people who loved music, now it's being run by people who love money. Now, it, of course, streaming and the race they pay is an easy, it's an easy dog to kick, but uh, you can't help but agree with him on this. Um, the, the amounts are... are pathetically bad and if somebody like uh, Nile Rogers is going to stand up somebody who you know is worldwide and will give out about the rate that even he's getting paid you know so, and in yeah. fairness he's made his money so he's standing up on behalf of others yeah. yeah I mean like the the kind of general word on the street about Nile Rogers is he is a genuinely nice guy who cares about the industry and cares about the fellow musicians and he tries to elevate people around him um, also he's coming back next year of course which I believe again if I can get my calculator out marks his <laughs> 30th appearance uh, with Sheik or whatever uh, since 2009 possibly in Ireland he, he loves, loves it coming here, here he loves it here we love him as well he's cool um, but no like it's it's. I think this, you need people like Nile Rogers now to speak out about this because we've seen the change that Spotify are making. They've also laid off a bunch of their own staff. They're making harder and harder, particularly for independent musicians. And look, we're all culpable, we're all guilty. You know, I use Spotify, I say this every time. But I think you need genuine heavyweights in the music industry to come out more than this and say that this is desperately unfair. And fair play to him for standing up and saying it. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Dave Hanratty, John Cadell, thank you very much for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.